Welcome to the first episode of the AEC Engineering and Technology Podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping engineering professionals find technology that fits their needs and solves some of their organization's biggest problems. My name is Anthony Fasano. I am the founder and president of the Engineering Management Institute. We are publishing this podcast episode. However, I am not going to be the host long term, but today I'm going to introduce you to the host of the podcast, Nicholas Heim. Nick is a field and virtual design and construction or VDC engineer at Structure Care, and he's got a real interesting background, which he's going to explain to you in a few minutes here. But we're not just going to start this podcast off by kind of an introductory episode. We're going to jump right in today and provide you with five steps that you can take to choose, sell, and implement a new software or technology in your firm. That's always the biggest challenge, right? There's all these great different technologies out there, and you're going to be introduced to quite a few of them through this podcast. But what if you listen to an episode and and say, hey, we need that software in our firm. How are you actually going to get it approved? And that's why we're going to spend our first episode on this process. And we've got some great quotes as well baked into the episode from sales professionals, from software professionals at different tech companies on how they have helped engineering firms integrate different technologies. Before we jump in to our conversation here, I would like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, Shingle. Get back in the office now. And sorry, we're not going to have a fully remote policy. You've got to come in. Wait just a second. If you've ever thought, I kind of like working full-time remote. I know what I'm doing. I work independently. All my work is on my computer. Why do I need to drive to the office every day? If only there was some sort of alternative. Surprise, you're going to want to know about a new technology company called Shingle. Are you an engineer that has an interest in entrepreneurship? Have you ever thought about stepping out on your own as an engineer or making some additional income with your engineering skills? Are you tired of moving and uprooting your life for a new job or battling an unnecessary commute? Would you like to be an engineer on your own terms? Shingle is an online marketplace where PEs can find and remotely engage with AE firms in the Shingle network that need their services as a consultant. The platform is specifically built for PEs and CAD professionals in architecture and engineering that want to move in the direction of entrepreneurship, work as much as they want, and have the freedom to work where they choose. Shingle wants the consultants to succeed and provides resources to get their companies up and running quickly. Get started on your road to entrepreneurship and engineering by going to shingleit.com. Again, that's shingleit.com and join the community today. Shingle, we work differently. So Nick, welcome aboard to the AEC Engineering and Technology Podcast. We're really excited to have you. I introduced you a few minutes ago to our listeners. I let them know that you're a VDC engineer, but I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what you do on a daily basis and what made you so interested in technology and software in the civil world. Thank you for having me, Anthony. A pleasure as always. And yeah, a little bit about my background. So I work with Structure Care. We're essentially a team that deals with the restoration and maintenance of parking garages. And part of my role is just developing technology and new ways of doing things, innovation, et cetera, within the firm. And what really drove me to technology, Anthony, within kind of the civil engineering world is this need that I'm seeing. And it kind of starts with construction technology. 
there is a ton of great software, equipment, et cetera, out there, mostly for larger GCs in the market. But I also noticed a lack of that same type of technology for a variety of reasons for engineering firms, right? A lot of engineering firms are doing things the same way they have been for the past you know, 10, 15, 20 years. And I think there is a lot of opportunity out there to do a lot of good, make more processes efficient, just really make things better for the people involved. So that's kind of the quick summary of, of what made me so interested in this space. The whole idea behind this podcast is we want civil engineering professionals, people in the infrastructure world to be able to listen to an episode. And as Nick said, just get more productive, help you to do your projects faster, higher quality, right? Like if you can serve your clients better, then it's a huge win. We feel that we have access through the network between Nick and EMI to just a lot of different software and tech companies. And we'd love to bring them to you and let them talk to you about how they can help you make your projects better. Now, what we want to do in this first episode to kind of kick it off is the biggest challenge with really, regardless of any of the software or technology you hear about on this podcast, you're going to have to bring it to your firm and you're going to have to get approval to purchase or acquire that software or that technology. And that's challenging. And so we wanted to have kind of this first episode kind of give you a framework or some steps that you can take to get that done. Because quite frankly, if you listen to one of the next episodes and you find this great software that you want to use, if you can't go to your firm, you can't go to your HR department, learning and development, IT, and get it approved, it's useless. And you can't become more productive. You can't provide higher quality work to your clients. And so what we're going to do in this first episode is we're going to walk through five steps that you can take to try to seek approval for a software or technology in your firm. And what I will say about this is it's not just five steps that Nick and I came up with. Well, we had some input. We reached out to some of the companies that we're going to be featuring on the podcast, some of the sales reps that deal with this on a regular basis that help engineers get software into their companies. And we asked them, what are the best practices in going about doing this? And so we're going to quote some of them along the way too, because we did take some time to get some information from them. Let's jump in here to our first step in this process. And the first step is identifying a software that can make a difference. And in terms of this one, I want to start this one off with a couple of quotes from Brian Vizaretta. Brian is a solutions marketing manager at Struction Site. And he said, the most important part of making a business case to use a new technology at your firm is to start with a problem, then point out the inefficiencies that technology is designed to improve. Tracking things such as expanding collaboration from project services teams to the field or qualitative feedback, such as better client experience, can begin to make the technology a business decision rather than just nice to have. And he also said, start with the problem, then find the technology, not the other way around. Then make sure there's impact for all parties involved. So Nick, I think this is an important one because there's so many software and different technologies out there today. You can easily find one that looks fancy, that looks nice, but at the end of the day, it's got to do something. Absolutely. And I love Brian's point about starting with the problem and finding the technology, not the other way around. So here at Structure Care, we actually recognize that pretty early on. We have some really experienced leadership that understands this problem exactly. And what they've done for us is laid out a vision statement, right? What does our business look like in three, five, 10 years down the line? And then taking that vision statement as kind of a guiding star and then finding the technology to fit it. And like Brian said, not the other way around. I think it's such a critical thing. And listen, this really goes kind of in all walks of life in your career. 
when someone has a problem, that's typically when they need something to solve that problem. I think anytime when you get into sales, some of you might get into business development for your firms. You're not just going to go out there and sell your company for consulting engineering services. You're going to find what their problem is. Their projects aren't getting approved fast enough. They're dealing with a site that has environmental constraints, right? Oh, well, listen, we have environmental professionals on our staff that can help you overcome that problem. So I think it's the same with software. If you think that there's a software that's going to make your projects better, look at the project life cycle, maybe of projects within your company and say, listen, how could this technology improve this project life cycle? How could it expedite the life cycle? How could it drive more value for the clients? Because at the end of the day, if you can do that, then like Brian said, it becomes more of a business decision and more of a no-brainer than having to go through a big process. So that's step number one, identifying a software that can really make a difference. And you can think about that by finding problems. Step number two is to decide if the software will be beneficial for you and a few people or company-wide. And again, this is a big one for, again, a lot of reasons. Number one, if it's a company-wide improvement, I mean, you're talking about big-time gains that can be made across the company. However, it probably means it's a little bit of a bigger process or bigger price range, price point that you've got to go through to get it approved. But at the same time, if it's a smaller, if it's only going to affect you and a couple of people, are they going to see the value and just bring it in for a couple of people? But then again, maybe it's easier to get it approved. So I think, Nick, it's really important to understand the size of what we're talking about here. Absolutely. And one thing we're big on here at Structure Care is that cross-functionality piece, right? We have multiple team members. And if the software can benefit not only us in engineering, right, but the people doing the sales, the people managing the projects, the people managing the clients, it's that much easier of a decision. So that cross-functionality piece is key because it is just an easier sell to the decision makers internal to the company. Another point to make based on what Nick said is you have to understand if you put yourself in the minds of the people within your firm that would need to approve this, it's a big process, right? To bring in a new software, a new technology, get people trained on it. You know, some old systems might have to go down and there might be a lag in between, you know, getting the new systems up and running. So it's not an easy process, which is why when you evaluate software, you should really understand that problem that you're going to alleviate. And to Nick's point, if this can really help across the company, multidiscipline, if you will, then it may be a, a much bigger win. They may see it as a much bigger win. And it's really worth it to go through the process, bringing in a new software, doing the training, having some downtime. So keep that in mind as you go through different steps in this process. Let's say you've identified that software in step one. You know how many people it's going to be for and you want to kind of move it forward. The next step, number three, is to engage someone from that software company to help you map out the benefits that your company would realize from this new software. And if you could put some kind of monetary value on it, that would make it even better. And I'm going to add a quote in here from Brett Gardner. Brett is an enterprise sales executive at GeneXt, which is a SaaS civil infrastructure management platform. He says, socialize your efforts early and often. No one likes surprises. And by showing them that you have this solution early on, that's really going to help you in this process. And so that's important. And then getting that person, Nick, from the software who can really speak the language of the software, they can talk about the bells and whistles a little bit more than you can and help your leadership to see how they're going to solve that problem. I think that's really critical. Absolutely, Anthony. And the way I see it, having worked with a number of software vendors, right? So they're what we call internal champions to any company. They understand the business, but they also understand the technology. And then the role that you're playing with somebody like Brett, 
who can speak to more of the intricacies of the software, help you potentially build a business case, right? Ultimately, what you're trying to do is think like the decision maker. So if you're just the engineer doing the day-to-day project work, you have to understand there's a lot more to any decision than just what you do. There's financial constraints, there's training, right? There's turning over of old systems and a number of problems that you may not even be thinking about. So it's really key to understand what your decision makers are looking for and provide them the best data and information to help them make a decision. It really is making sure that you have the best available information to help your leadership make a decision, really to make it easier for them to make that decision, right? So it's like black and white right in front of their face, which leads me right into step number four, which is kind of a piggyback on step number three, which is you want to make sure that that person that you're engaging from the software company, they can really help you in presenting the benefits of that software or technology to your employers. I think that's important because there's could be a lot of people that work at these software companies. You want to get the right person in your industry, right? Because they may also have a product that they sell to different industries. Civil engineering might be one of them, but it could be a totally different industry. If you get someone in that other industry, they may not be able to speak the same language. And, and the one analogy that I can use with this is if you're going to meet a client about a project, and let's say you're a transportation engineer, there's going to be a lot of conversations around the environmental constraints on a project. You're going to obviously want to have someone with an environmental background with you from your firm, from the environmental discipline. And if you don't, your chance of making that sale are much lower than if you had that person there with you, right? And so the same idea here is that you not only got to find someone from that software technology company, you got to find the right person that's going to be able to speak to your leadership in a way that's going to help them understand the value of this technology. And I think really, Nick, this is kind of make or break because if you try to go in there and do it alone or you don't have the right person, you may not be able to convey the value of the software or the technology. And you just have to think, right? These types of people like Brett with software companies, they're doing this day in and day out. They're building business use cases, right? They're talking to executives and truly understand what essentially comes down to benefits, whether qualitative or quantitative, their software can provide. Now, there is going to be a piece for that internal champion to essentially be the translator, right? Like, how does this software apply to my specific business use case? And a great way to do that is to engage these companies early and ask for a pilot. Many will offer some terms, right? But what the important thing is you are providing an exact, a use case that applies specifically to what you do so that it is very obvious what the benefits are to those above you. Yeah, I think the pilot program can mean valuable, right? It's like if you're buying a car, if you test drive the car, your confidence level or your comfort level with that car is going to be much higher than if you're just winging it and saying, hey, I heard the car drives nice. I'm going to go and spend X amount of dollars on it, right? You're probably more unlikely to purchase a car if you don't test drive it. So the same thing comes with any of these software and these programs. You could have some of your engineers using it as a pilot program for a month or two, whatever the case may be, and they were able to report back productivity and you know positive benefits to projects, again, it's going to make that integration, that, that purchase much easier. And so that kind of leads us into the fifth and final step, which is you have to make the pitch to your company. And when you make this pitch to your company, I think you really have to understand the audience because you can have a pitch that is more simplistic and focuses strictly on the business case, the business side of it. You could put numbers in there as to how much you think you'll improve productivity or reduce project overages and write-offs, et cetera. Or if you have a leadership team that's very tech savvy, you may want to have them do a demo in the presentation where they can pull up the software for 10, 15 minutes, have one of your projects preloaded into it. And they're showing you, hey, right here on this municipality project, this is how we would use it on one of our projects, right? Sometimes a picture is worth a thousand words, but it all depends on your audience. So I think it's really important to think through who's in the room, 
And how can you give that presentation in a way that best conveys the value and maybe more numbers, maybe more visuals? I think, Nick, it really depends on you know who you're speaking to. Absolutely. And here at Structure Care, I have a great internal champion within the leadership team that I work very closely with. We work together, right? He's the one who crafted the vision statement. And then through the entire process, you know, through pilots, right? I'm constantly giving him the data he needs to make decisions and then bring to the people at his level who will ultimately, alongside him, make the decision. So that's another good component is if you can find that champion internal to the decision-making team, it just makes the process that much simpler. And one of the things that we want to mention here on this episode is that if you're, you know, an engineer out there, you're listening to this, you're hoping to find some software attack through this podcast that can help you. One thing I'll say about the whole COVID when people going remote is that I really think it has opened up the eyes of executives and industry leaders as to the importance of software and technology. Obviously, because prior to the COVID pandemic, I would say a large number of civil engineering companies that I know kind of said like, you can't do civil engineering remotely. It just doesn't work that way, right? There's plans, there's things, you just can't do it. Of course, in March, 2020, about 99.9% of civil engineering firms went all remote basically overnight. And so it kind of dispelled that misnomer. And I think what we're talking about here in this podcast, it's also very huge and beneficial because now people are more used to working remotely, virtual work, virtual programs, right? It makes it a little bit easier as an entryway into leadership to say, hey, since X percent of our staff is still remote and going to be remote for a while, I feel that this software or technology may be helpful for us in delivering our projects to our clients. Do you kind of feel that way, Nick? I do. And I think there is a fantastic opportunity out there for many of these forward-thinking civil engineering firms to capitalize. This is like the Wild West, Anthony, right? There is a lot out there and there is not a lot of industry standard or anything in place to tell you exactly what to do. That's essentially the point of this podcast is because we don't know what's next. It's a very exciting time kind of in the AEC innovation space. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why we're thrilled with this podcast. And so one of the things that we want to let you know is that I'll give you some information in a few minutes here where you can find the podcast page where all the episodes will be listed because you may want to go through there after we have a bank of episodes and pick the software that you think might be good for you and listen to it. However, if you have heard of a software or a technology and you're interested in exploring it more, drop us a line because we will reach out to that company and we will get a rep there on the podcast and we'll walk through it with them. And we're going to have video episodes as well. So we can even put some images on while they're talking about the program. So you get a little feel for it. The whole point is, again, like all of our podcasts and resources at EMI, we want it to work best for our audience. So You don't have the time to go and explore five different software, but that's the point of this podcast. So keep in touch with me and Nick. Again, you can go to the the podcast page. I'm going to give you all that information in a minute. You can find us on LinkedIn. You can connect with us. You can reach out to us. But the point is to serve you and help you deliver your projects better to your clients. And if you can do that, you're going to win. Your company's going to win. Your clients are going to win. I think that that's really beneficial. And I know Nick is really a big, big proponent of software and tech where it can help you. I know he's done a lot of this in the construction world, inspections, et cetera, trying to help make lives easier for his firm. And now we want to do it on a broader basis. So Nick, before we kind of wrap up for today, I know we're excited about stuff we have coming down the line. Any other thoughts you want to share with our listeners kind of as we launch into this podcast? The focus of this podcast is technology, obviously, but really the focus of this podcast is people because it's all about what the technology can do for people. The industry has been as it has been for a very long time. 
And it's always been centered around people. So we don't want you guys to lose sight of the fact that this is about the people in your firms and the people that you're working with and the people on your projects. So technology is the focus, but it's really about helping people. It's true. We have to keep that in mind, right? I always say civil engineering is a people profession. As much as you want to talk about bridges and buildings and software and technology and CAD and BIM and all these things, at the end of the day, you're constantly interacting with people, people within your firm, other consultants, clients, boards that you present to. And so, you know, that is an integral part of the software. The software is only as good as the people that are using it. And we're going to talk to a lot of people that have not just worked for these software and tech companies, but we may also have some civil engineers that come on the show and share some of the technologies that they're using in the workplace. So if you found a couple of great programs that are working for you and you're comfortable and willing to come on there and share them with the community, again, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. The website that you'll be able to find everything at is very simple. It's AEC tech, T-E-C-H, podcast.com, AEC tech, podcast.com. You can go there, see the other episodes, contact us. We want this to be a very community-focused podcast, and Nick is going to lead us as the host. We may have some guest hosts from time to time, but he's really stepped up. It was his idea to get this going because he's seen the benefits of technology in the civil infrastructure world. And so we're happy at EMI to be able to publish it, be able to bring it to you. And Nick, with that, I just want to thank you for doing this. And I look forward to working with you behind the scenes on bringing this podcast to the audience. Likewise, Anthony. Always a pleasure working with EMI. And yeah, we're very excited to see what's to come. Please remember you can find the show notes for this episode and all episodes at aectechpodcast.com. That's aectechpodcast.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the episode. And remember, take advantage of this podcast. If you know of a technology or a software that you want us to review, that you want us to get someone on the show from that company, then reach out to us through aectechpodcast.com or find Nick Heim or myself, Anthony Fasano on LinkedIn and message us about that. We are here to help you and we want to ensure that this podcast, that you get the most out of it, right? We're not just doing the podcast to do the podcast. Once again, I do want to thank Shingle for helping us to get this podcast off the ground by sponsoring the podcast. That means a lot because these podcasts are free and our sponsors help us keep them free. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering and technology endeavors.